Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a special edition of the show for you. This is what we'd like to call a fusion episode if you're a new listener, but if you're a longtime listener, you know what this is. We are combining the sports and entertainment editions of the ODPH into one episode for you this week for a couple different reasons. And one we will tell you at the end of the show because we have two episodes dropping this week. And the other one is kind of massive, if you will. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So that being said, we have a lot to get into for this episode. And Pat, if the listeners want to interact with us, where do they go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over there for the social media accounts, the T Public Store link, the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month. The blog section, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? 524,000. Sounds about right to me. The classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, and so many more. The music section, where you can hear all the great music from the podcast right there to download to you. So you can take it wherever you go, especially that new Brian Wolf single. All of that and so much more can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag odphpod. Pad is time to talk some basketball. So yeah. let's lead off with that. The NBA playoffs are in full swing and we're almost at the finals. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Let's say crazy how the finals exactly, well, a week and a day ago, uh, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, we're on the pro- uh, the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. We're on the precipice of starting. We're doing our predictions on how it's going to go, who's going to do what, who's going to be uh, surfing Cancun here here at the end of it. And uh, boy, a week later, we already know one of those one of those teams that's going to be in the finals. Crazy to think of, but the one team we know that's going to be in the finals for the first time ever in franchise history. Congratulations to them. It is the Denver Nuggets, the number one seed in the Western Conference, who swept. Yes, that's right, folks. Swept the Los Angeles Lakers four games to nothing. They won the first game 132 to 126. Second game 108 to 103. Third game 119 to 108. And then the fourth game 113 to 111. So Nikola Jokic going from being drafted on draft night on ESPN during a Taco Bell commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't believe me, folks, go go ahead and YouTube it. Actually happened uh, to being a two time uh, NBA MVP and making it to the NBA finals. It's wild to think about, but the Denver Nuggets have finally emerged mm-hmm. and Jokic and Jamal Murray, KCP. And the rest of this team that has had so much potential over the years finally have sealed the deal and punched their tickets to the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. Much the delight of their fan base, including our guy Brian Wayne from the Cheers of Comics podcast, who was elated and even called Nuggets in five. Right. But nobody thought there would have been a sweep here. No, I I figured the Nuggets would go up early. I figured they'd take both of them at home. 
And I figured they'd take at least one away from the Lakers in Los Angeles. I didn't think there was any way, shape, or form you were going to get both games out of Los Angeles, you know, in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. That just LeBron playoff mode, back against the wall. You know, we've been there a hundred times. That I just figured some switch would flip and, you know, he'd turn it on and the whole team would miraculously turn it on. And, oh, my God, where has this been the whole time? You know, whatever, whatever else. But I just, for the life of me, even like in a video game setting, I would be like, nah, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. And then, well, thanks to Aaron Gordon, you know, there at the end of game four with the crucial block shot, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets pulled it off. Well, the one thing that you have to say to the strengths of Denver was their team overall stepped up. And it wasn't on Jokic. Yes. That's the one thing that really has helped them in comparison to the Lakers especially. Jamal Murray had a real strong series, especially 25 in the last game as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron Gordon finally emerged. KCP has been playing well. So you, when you start getting your team involved, and that's one thing Jokic does very well, that really takes a lot of pressure off your superstar and makes teams have to focus on other players to finally really do some defense on mm-hmm. On the flip side... This was pretty much LeBron and LeBron by himself. Which, I mean, 15 years ago was about all you needed. Mm-hmm. Look, look at some of those Cleveland teams he had where he was, you know, making the NBA Finals against the, the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> it was a whole bunch of nobodies than LeBron. But this isn't LeBron of 15, 20 years ago. You know, there's some tread on that tires. You know, he was playing on a – and I'm not giving him excuses. This is just, Right, there's this, no excuse. There's This is just facts. You know, he was playing through some injuries, and so you need those guys to step up because, yeah, he can turn it on, and, yeah, he can play, just not to the same level he was uh, used to. You know, so you needed those other guys to step up, and I'm sorry, you just didn't. You know, in a moment where you needed, you know, your, your key – that's that's the one thing it like it works in the regular season where like one or two guys can go off and like you can carry it through the regular season because like ah it's one loss out what does it really mean you know whatever but like when you get to the playoffs you need more than just one or two guys to step up mm-hmm, absolutely I mean that's the one thing that he did not have this year in this playoff series especially right because right. we saw when they got in the playoffs they were playing like a well oiled machine sure and this was the lakers of old quote unquote if you will sure this was something that we've seen lebron do with teams throughout his career but we have to remember he's at this stage in his career Mm -hmm. where father time is catching up to him he can't do everything on his own every great player goes through this especially in the nba yeah but when your role players don't step up like d'angelo russell did not have a great season no series in my opinion no Anthony Davis, header mean, mess. We knew that him coming into the series, there was going to be a lot of question marks, and unfortunately, it got the best of them yeah. through this series. You really needed somebody to help LeBron, and especially in that game four. And granted, every game was fairly close for the most part in this series. Yeah. So it wasn't like the Lakers got blown out. But in a series like this, they needed somebody to really step up and help. And LeBron did everything he can. But then again, look how long he's been playing in this league. Mm-hmm. And you can't ask somebody at his stature to find the fountain of youth mm-hmm. and take over games like he used to. Like, this is where you have to build a team around him 
that can make a run. Now, granted, he had great luck against Memphis and great luck against well, or the Golden State Golden Warriors. State, yeah. But at the end of the day, Denver was the number one seed throughout this entire conference. Yeah. They had a chip on their shoulder because a lot of people wrote them off. Sure. But the one factor that nobody realizes is this team is finally healthy. Let's see how they measure up. Mm-hmm. And against the Lakers team, which we all thought, hey, the powers that be, the basketball karma, if you will, was going to set up one last run, Lakers versus Celtics. Right. Wasn't meant to be. No. Because Denver imposed their will, much like we talk about in the UFC, much like we talk about in boxing, when a team goes in there and sets the pace early and really drives point home that this is our time. Yeah. I think once it was 3 nothing, Denver. Yeah. I'm not saying the Lakers mailed it in because they didn't, obviously, looking at that score. Right. But when the when the good teams become great teams, they turn on that extra gear. Uh-huh. I don't feel I saw that with this team. I did see it with LeBron, though. Sure. So I'm not going to say he has a pass, but for somebody out there that really wanted to win and really felt like they could come back, in my opinion, it was just him. Right. And I think – Denver took full advantage of that. Yeah. And now this really makes a question for the Lakers going into the offseason. Oh, yeah. Because LeBron has hinted at retirement. Right. Hinted is the key word. Right. I don't think he's going to go out like this. I think that he's going to come back for one farewell tour. And then after that. Well, we'll see. Is anybody's guess. Because he does have one more year left with the Los Angeles Lakers on his current contract. Mm -hmm. So. And the Lakers are going to have to do a lot of retooling. That's right. the one area that they can do. But then right. again, you have a lot of players that are going into free agency. Yeah. And then it depends about if they really want to make a big splash in free agency and go get somebody right. on the level of Kyrie Irving. Right, which I know has been reported the Lakers will have, I believe it's $30 million, could be $30 million and change, mm. uh, available this offseason to sign a player. Yeah. So it could happen, yeah. but what they're going to have to benchmark themselves against is this Denver Nuggets team. Yeah, that they're it, just monsters. They're monsters, but they play such great team ball. And like you touched upon at the end there, Aaron Gordon steps up for a big block. Yeah, They make a huge shot late, and they hold the Lakers in check at the formerly known as Staples Arena. Mm-hmm. Like That's the one thing great teams do, and we have, yeah. to, we have to give Denver their credit there. Yeah. They went in with literally nothing to lose and the biggest chip on the shoulder, and they came out victorious and made a statement yeah. series. I mean, I'm looking at the box score. You know, like we said, you know, LeBron needs help. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the LeBron of old where, what was it, the Boston Celtics? He scored 25 points unanswered by himself. Or yeah. Whatever the hell it was. You know, he had 40 points, which, hey, great. Anthony Davis had 21, which, yeah, that's not bad. You know, but then you had uh, Hachimura, who had 10 points on 3 of 12 shooting. Schroeder had 13 points on 5 of 13 shooting. Mm-hmm. Austin Reeves had 17 on 6 of 11 shooting. The bench didn't give him any favors. You had 4 points from Tristan Thompson, 4 points from D'Angelo Russell, and then uh, Walker the fourth had 2 points, mm-hmm. you know, which in their shooting was atrocious. But then you look at the flip side, Denver, Gordon, 22 points. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., 15 points. Uh, Jokic, 30 points. Murray, 25 points. Uh, KCP, 
13 points. And admittedly, the bench, you know, kind of the similar as is the uh, Lakers, you know, bench with only two points from green. And then Brown gave you six points. But when you got your your starters clicking mm-hmm. like that, you I don't just going to say you don't need to rely on your bench that much. No, you don't. And that is something that Denver is going to be very scary in the finals now. Right. Because we are finally seeing the potential of this team rise, and Jokic is making a very clear statement to bring home that chip. Uh And that is something that's very scary for a team that has always been a forgotten franchise. Right. Like, let's be honest about this. Denver has never really gotten much due as far as basketball. Right. And yet they've always had – Solid teams throughout the years. Right. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, who just retired. Yeah. Obviously was supposed to lead them to a championship. Never Mm. really happened. Yeah. And then it's kind of had some hit and misses throughout the years. Carmelo and AI were there. Yep. Yeah. And now they're on the beginning level of really making this into a franchise. Nuggets country. Let's ride. I... (laughs) You can't deny that, Pat. That's no. a, that's the that's the crazy thing. No. In a weird sense, and hear me out when I say this. Sure. This is almost reminding me of when Golden State emerged as the franchise. Mm. Like you see a team finally break through. Yeah. And they're winning. Yeah. Albeit though, different styles. Oh, vastly. Vastly different, but they're winning in decisive manner. Yeah, and it's not you know it's it's a bunch of. Good players. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not going to shit on any of them. They're great players, but it's all them coming together as a cohesive unit. That like they've been together for a couple of years. They've really built it up. Yeah. No. That's a great comparison. That it's it's almost like another Golden State where this isn't a super team that was built together through free agency and it's you know three four all stars and first team all NBA and then former MVPs and whatever else coming together like oh let's let's go here you know because we like the atmosphere and we like the front office and it's really our liking and blah 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 it's not like Denver has done things the right way where it's they're building up sure they had a couple of lean years there where it wasn't that great but mm-hmm. all teams go through all good teams go through this but now they've they've really built it up and and now the fruits of their labor are paying off and Man, you look at Jokic, and and he had the two-time back-to-back MVP seasons, and he's really starting to enter his prime, I would say. And mm-hmm. I, I think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg with his skill set. Denver's going to be a force to be reckoned with the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. And I, I love how their GM is stuck by their players. Yeah. I know there's the stories coming out that Jamal Murray was worried at one point he was going to get traded because mm-hmm. obviously he had a very bad injury he was coming back from, and the team said, no, we're sticking with you. And right. I mean, now look at him, yeah. and he's finally healthy. Like I, I can't stress enough about that. When this team is healthy, this is the potential they have. Yeah. And now it's all coming together. Yeah. They are the clear-cut favorite, in my opinion, oh God, yeah. to win the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference in just a second, but – I don't see how any team is going to be able to hang with them for a six, seven game series and pull it off. Like out of the teams coming out of the East. Right. I think we've said that from the outset of the NBA playoffs and even slightly before the NBA playoffs, when we were kind of like, it was starting to come into focus that it didn't matter who came out of the East that like you could put together an all-star team of players out of the East and whoever comes out of the West, you're not beating them. Mm-hmm. Just because the the West, you looked at all the teams that were in there and, and the setups, they're just monsters. But no, I, I think whatever the finals will be, it'll end up being a fight. 
and it'll end up going a couple. It won't be a sweep. I don't. Think it, it's it'll, not going to be a sweep. I don't think I will say that. It, I don't think it's going to be a sweep, but it's not going to be easy. I'm. I'm not saying it's. It's impossible because you know to quote Kevin Garnett. Well, anything's possible. True. You know, but it's going to be a very, very, very tall order for either Boston or Miami to beat Denver, and I just don't think they can do it with as good as Denver's playing right now. I don't see it happening either. I mean, Miami, who I believe is going to pull this off at the end of the day, is going to give them a run. But, oh, yeah, playoff Jimmy. Yeah, But how much can playoff Jimmy carry them through? Because as we're seeing right now, as we're going to be talking about the Eastern Conference Finals, playoff Jimmy is doing a lot on his own. Mm-hmm. But in comparison to what they will be facing in Denver, presumably, is it enough? And that's the big question we have to ask now because four games into that series, Boston, who was supposed to be the clear-cut favorite, right, is looking like a team on the verge of implosion yeah. in more ways than one. Yeah, uh, Miami, the eighth seed, is currently up three games to one on Boston, the number two seed. Uh, game one went to Miami, 123-116. Game two went to Miami, 111-105. Game three went to Miami, 128-102. to 102. And then Boston staved off elimination last night as we record, uh, winning 116-99. to 99. Well, it comes down to what team of Boston is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. One of y'all need to show up. Yeah, and it has to be consistent. And unfortunately, that has not happened no, for them. No, no. Because... If Jimmy Butler is doing this all by himself, pretty much. I mean, let's be honest about it. In Miami right now, yeah, it's Jimmy Butler, and then maybe somebody else gives him some help. It's the Jimmy Butler show and a couple of role players. Yeah. Boston should be closing the series out easily. Oh, yeah. But the fact that they're not is very, very telling. And if I am a Celtics fan, I have got a lot of questions that I need answers to. Let me do some math and figure out what Jimmy's averaging just for this series alone. Oh, absolutely. It's absurd. And it's something that, like I say, this team needs to figure out very quickly if you're going to be making that step forward. I mean, is it possible that they could come back and win this? Absolutely. But I don't think the Miami defense is going to allow Tatum and Brown to go off as they need to. And that's something that is very surprising that out the gate, Miami came in, Stole two away from Boston at home. Yeah. Like, let's not forget about that. And now almost closed it out on game four, but Boston showed up. And especially when you're making runs of 17 to five at one point, yeah, that's going to help yeah. really turn some situations. And this is where Boston looked like the team that was supposed to be the number one seed. This looks right. like the Boston that was going to take that next step. Right. But the one thing that I will say I liked about Miami, and especially Jimmy Butler at the end of this, is they didn't get rattled. No. They never seemed like they felt Boston was going to come back, and it's not meant in a cocky way right. by any means. Right. It's meant in we're going to be okay, to paraphrase what he even said at the press conference, and they feel very poised in what they can bring to the table. Right. And the thing is – Jimmy Butler is doing so much for this team. He does need help. Yeah. And I don't know if he's going to get it after this round because for the what it's taken to get here, 
eventually you start running out of gas going into these finals. I mean, there's flashes of it. I uh, looked it up and averaged it. Uh, Jimmy Butler is averaging 27 points a game Oof. in this series. God damn. But, I mean, you look at this first game, you know, I got the box score pull up where Miami won 123 to 116. Butler scored 35. Uh, Adebayo had 20. Uh, Vincent, their point guard, had 15. Uh, Struss, their shooting guard, had 15. Uh, and then Kevin Love had eight points. But then on the off the bench, you had Martin, uh, their small forward, 15. And then Kyle Lowry averaged or got 15. So, like, there are glimpses of it that, like, he's not the only guy scoring there. But then you look at some of the other box scores where it's like uh, 27 from him in game two. Adebayo had 22. You know, Martin had 25. But then the rest of it's like, okay, Kevin Love, no points. Uh, Vincent, nine points. Struss, 11 points. You know, so it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, if if Miami gets to the next round, he's going to need some help, you know, because Jimmy can't do it all. You know, this this ain't Bugs Bunny in the in the baseball cartoon where it's like he's playing all nine possessions. Mm. It, it don't work this way. And for, Bo- and for Boston, if you want to get back in the series, man, one of y'all motherfuckers got to figure this out and, and score because this is embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. And this is it, – it's almost like a double-edged sword, too. Mm-hmm. This shows how great Jimmy Butler can be. Yeah. And how he turns this on in the playoffs. I mean, there is such thing as playoff Jimmy. I'm sorry. Like, oh, yeah. You, you yeah. can't tell me otherwise. And the fact he's doing this without some key players like Tyler Hero, mm-hmm. that's huge. Oh, yeah. And that's something that it shows how good he is. But then you got to flip it back to Boston. Yeah. And as bad as it's going to sound – is Boston that overrated? I mean, the only person I'm, and this is without having seen every minute of every game, but like I'm just looking at box scores, going strictly off box scores. The only person who's shown up consistently for this fucking thing is Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Tatum had 30 points in Game One, 34 points in Game Two, uh, slightly off game Game Three. He only had 14, uh, but then Game Four he had 33. You know, so Tatum's showing up, mm-hmm. and Tatum's doing everything he can, but it's just. The other guys need to fucking step up and do, well, anything. Well, that's the one thing that is is the key to this series is consistency. Right. I mean, I'm looking at some more of these boxers. I mean, game one, you know, was a seven-point loss. Al Horford, listen, I'm sorry. you're not. I'm not expecting you to put up, like, double-double, triple-double numbers. You're a center. You, you've been around the league a while. You ought to have more than six rebounds in a game. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're the Dennis Rodman of, of the – Boston Celtics, and I'm not saying Al Horford is Dennis Robin or it is as good as Dennis Robin, but it's that, sure. but it's that same type of role. Where, yeah. Listen, we don't need you to score 30 a night. We got other guys who can score 30 a night. We need you to just be down low, not get any fouls, and grab rebounds. Yep. And he's got six in game one. Like what the shit? Well, that's the thing that the role players are just not there and not consistently enough for where Miami is matching them blow for blow. And especially when Miami's not getting consistent play. Like, to see what Boston is doing here, and you're right, Harford needs to be more active in, in getting more of a defensive presence. He's not the offensive player he used to be. He's got three offensive rebounds the entire series. Yeah. Like, I'm like I'm b- blown by this because uh, game one, as I mentioned, six rebounds, four defensively, two offensively. Game two, he had four rebounds total, four defensively, zero on offense. Game three, one rebound, one on defense, none on offense. And then game four, he had seven rebounds, six defensively, one offensively. 
uh, as a team for their five starters, they got one, two, three, four offensive rebounds that entire game. And then on the bench, you had two from uh, Williams and then one from uh, Brogdon. So for a team, they had seven offensive rebounds in game four. That's unacceptable. You got lucky you won game four. Yeah, and that's something I don't think Miami's going to let them go past game five. I think they close out in game five. I really do. Boston, you ain't that lights out shooters where everything is going in. I know that for a fact. Ray Allen ain't on that and on that squad. Mm-hmm. You need to get more offensive rebounds if you want a prayer of this. And that's going to be the problem that they're going to face because I'm sorry. I just don't see them doing this. No. I, I think that Tatum is going to show up and do what he can do best. But the big question mark that I think I can already give the grade to, and that's F, is seeing Brown and company step up to that intensity. I just don't see it in them because how they rallied to win this game, and obviously it's must win at this situation. They they have to run the table if they want to continue their season. To see them in comparison to the Heat's demeanor, the panic button's there, but it wasn't one of confidence. Mm -hmm. Even in the loss, the Heat players were calm. Yeah. And I don't want to say... It's an off night. Hey, it happens. And they knew. And especially when Jimmy Butler is keeping them calm, like yeah. said, his presence there, yeah. he's understanding the temp in the room. He's yeah. understanding this is one game. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna bounce back. We gotta have to go harder. We gotta do things better. And he's and, and subtly he's challenging his team, and he needs to do this. He can't sit there and, and put it all on his shoulders. Yeah. Because the one thing that Boston will do is Boston's gonna clue in on him, and yeah. say, okay, who else can beat? Right. And if they're cluing in directly on him and saying, okay, we've solved your puzzle, your move, Miami. Sure. Who's going to be the one to step up? Right, but they've shown they've got guys who can step up. And now, admittedly, it's not the same points percentage mm-hmm. as Jimmy Butler, but they've shown, like I mentioned with game one, you know, where they had Butler had 35, Adebayo had 20, uh, Vincent had 15, uh, Struss had 15. And then you had Martin with 15 and Kyle Lowry with 15. Like, I'm sorry, even with even if you knock down Jimmy Butler's 35 points, down 10, 15 points, it's still pretty goddamn good. It's still very good. And that's going to be the key that is going to be the factor. Like, if Miami can get another role player to step up and have a good game, like, bam. Udonis has him. Well, I tell you what, it'd be, it'd be awesome to see <laughs> I, him come I in. don't think he's playing. He might if it's if it's garbage minutes. Garbage minutes, probably. He might. Yeah, yeah. They'll let him have one last that, run that out old there, man. Yes, as they should. He'll let him have one last run on the court. Udonis Haslam has played for the Miami Heat for over half of their franchise life. Mm-hmm. Just just let that sink in for a minute. Yeah, and it'd be awesome to see him get one last run to the finals because he has announced that he is done after the season. Because if because if I'm not mistaken, he's played for the Miami Heat for 20 plus years. I think yep, at this point, something like that. And the Miami Heat have been around for like 30, 35 years. Yeah. He's, he's played for over half of the franchise's lifespan. It's crazy. Which is wild. And then the question becomes, if you're Boston, do you implode the team? Yes. Yeah, I agree. You, you, you have to just because this is supposed to be the team when you drafted them and then you brought in Kyrie Irving and then Kyrie left. And, hey, you know what? We still got you know, our young core, but you, you haven't gotten to the finals to show me, hey, you're there. You're just missing one key piece. You haven't even gotten there. You haven't even come on the precipice of like, oh, hey, you know, you had a game just not a game where the ball just didn't bounce your way. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to. It's going to be one the players are going to have to get moved. Somebody's got to go. I don't think you fire the coach, though. I no. think I think Joe Mazzula is safe. 
But it is Boston. Obviously, they are a very passionate sports town. Yeah, they are. I could see him getting fired. I don't think he should. But like we talked about last week, the coaching free agency talent pool yeah. is huge. There's a lot of guys we figure would be fired that now are. Right. So is it possible Boston might want to go for a real drastic change? Absolutely. I don't think they will, though. No. But if they wanted to, I could understand why. Not saying they should, but I could get why. I think what Boston's going to have to do is really think of who they can move. And if I am not mistaken, Jalen Brown has one more year on his contract. Something like that. If they decided to move him and get some assets for him, I think that's the smart play to do. I just think at this stage, Jason Tatum is your superstar. You can't move him. But if you decided that you had to implode this team, and I think now you really have to consider it, I think he's the guy to move. Yeah, he he, uh, he does have one more year left on his contract. Cause, yeah, because otherwise I don't think they re-sign him no. regardless. I think that he's gone no matter what. But if I'm Boston, I, I start taking some feelers after the season's done. What can I get for him? And if you can get a really good combination of draft picks and players, you really have to consider it. Because unfortunately at this situation – You've let this team play out as much as they can, and they can't close the deal. They haven't brought home the chip. Yeah. So now you have to really sit back and think about it because at the end of the day, what's going to happen here is an eighth seed has defeated you mm-hmm. decisively. Yep. You haven't been able to close with what you have here. It's time to make a change. Uh-huh. What change that is is anybody's guess, but you're now going to watch an AC try pulling the impossible facing a number one seeded Denver Nuggets team that is going to put on a show in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. I fully believe this. Final thoughts on the NBA playoffs as they stand right now, Pat. Hard to believe we've already got one half of the NBA Finals set. I did not see that coming when we were previewing it literally a week ago. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's been fun to watch. And hey, kudos to Denver. You know, for making it there. Lakers, listen, you got to get LeBron help. You know, he hasn't played a full 80, 82 game season since I, I looked it up since his last year in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. So you're not getting a full season out of LeBron anymore. Just hey, facts for facts. Got to get LeBron some help if he's coming back. If he's coming back or, or leaving, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm not LeBron. I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out what's going on in his mind. Uh, and then for the East, listen, this is Miami's show to lose. Uh, if Miami blows this, I'm going to say this. It'll be a bigger blown lead than when the Yankees blew a 3-1 lead on the Boston Red Sox. Ooh. That'll be bigger Ooh. just because they won the first. You bought, or Miami won these first three games decisively Mm. where it's like, oh, there's no chance, you know, Boston's coming back from this. If, if Boston somehow pulls this off again and blows and pull uh, comes back from a three Oh deficit, kudos to you. But this, this will be a bigger blown lead than when the Yankees blew it against the Red Sox. That's a bold statement. That's a very bold statement, but I have to sit back and just be in a little bit of disbelief that, the Lakers and Celtics are on the verge of getting bounced out of the playoffs. Yeah. By which which honestly is good for the NBA. Oh, it's great for the NBA. Like it's the more parity, yeah, the better. Like it's like it don't get me wrong, it'd be cool to see the Lakers Celtics for the like nine hundred and fifty second time. But like the fact that it's Denver for the first time, hey, even cooler. Yeah. The fact that it could be even if even if it's Boston or Miami, it's gonna be awesome to see. It's gonna be a great playoff series, but to see the two historic franchise eliminated and now having to implode their teams respectively. Yeah. 
How crazy is that? And then on the flip side, you have a team in the finals for the first time that is very exciting to watch, and they're going to arguably be going up against an ace seed that is going to scrap with them the entire time until the final game is decided. A team whose star player was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. Yeah. How wild is the NBA playoffs? That's the question we pose to you, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the current state of the NBA playoffs? Who do you like in the finals? Denver, are you taking who's coming out of the Eastern Conference? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to recap the latest episode of DC Comics, quote-unquote, possibly last show on the CW? Yeah, well, technically there's two. There's this and Gotham Knights, which I'm not saying anything negative against Gotham Knights or certainly this show, but based off of uh, some comments I read in the last week from the folks over running CW these days, that might not be for much longer. Yeah, the rumor that is coming out, and we stress rumored, uh, coming from some comments that were made by CW executives, that they're getting away from the superhero genre. I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but I and I'm going to try and look it up. But I think the the quote was paraphrasing. Uh, superhero shows have had their time in the sun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here it is. Uh, CW moving in. So article from IGN.com headline: The CW is moving in a new direction as superhero shows have quote had their time. Yeah. Close so quote. the network is moving away and. Time is running out, but we are very optimistic that another rumor is lurking about that the newly christened Max <laughs> is going to be the new home for Superman and Lois next which, year. Which should make sense. Yes. So that being said, uh, we already gave away the lead. We're going to be talking about the latest episode of Superman and Lois starring Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch. So if you have not seen the episode and you're a new listener to the show, this is how we like to do things. First and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate the listen. Drop a five-star review on your favorite podcast site. It does help boost the algorithm. We give a spoiler-free statement concerning what we're going to be talking about. So if you haven't seen the episode and you want to see it without getting ruined, fear not. We'll give you a spoiler-free statement, give you our thoughts, and you can go watch it, and then we give you a countdown. After that countdown, though, we get into full spoiler talk. So you have been fair warned. If you need to duck out, you can duck out. Check the timestamp in the podcast liner notes, and Pat puts it always in there so you can jump back in. Because, like I say, once we get past that countdown, all bets are off of where we're going with the show. So that being said, Pat, give me your spoiler-free statement on Season three's Episode nine entitled The Dress. You know, this was a good episode. You know, I I was a little confused with at the start with the full flashback sequence. But once you got to the end of the story, it was a really nice, wholesome story with some crazy action sequences, mm-hmm. uh, some crazy plot stuff and story stuff that it's going to be real interesting to see where things go forward between uh, two of our main characters here. And I'm not talking Lois. I agree. I think this episode might come across as filler, but it's not bad filler. No. Coming off the events of last week's episode, they needed something to kind of have a catch-your-breath moment. Yeah. 
I feel this definitely captured that vibe, but it's a great story that was going on during the show. Right. So it took nothing away. So I'm not saying filler in a bad sense. Right. I mean, it's also a pivot because the story up until this point has been, all right, Bruno Mannheim, we got to figure out what's going on with him, X, Y, and Z. We got to figure out what his motivations are. We got to figure out who Anamanapia is and yada, yada. And like, we figured most of that out. Mm -hmm. That like, okay, we figured out, you know, the first third of the plot. All right, now we're pivoting to the next third. Yeah, and it works out well. Like I say, it's, it's a very solid episode. Really enjoyed the writing and acting in this one. And you're right. I mean, we have a couple more episodes until we presumably are introducing the next big bad of the mm-hmm. show. So we have In case to... you don't know who that is, well, you haven't been paying attention. They've name-dropped him several times. Yeah, and obviously it's leaked on social media for that. So we fully are expecting that person to come by Smallville sooner than later. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, we had a solid episode that we definitely recommend, and we got to go deep diving in on now. So that being said, Pad, three, two, one. Talk to me. The episode was good. I, I like the little backstory we got with, with Clark and Lois. You know, the stuff. I didn't hate the stuff with the kids. Mm-hmm. The stuff with the kids was good. And then the, the, the building tension between John Henry Irons and Clark. Yo, boy. Mm-hmm. Something tells me that's going to come to blows before it's all said and done with. I really thought this episode highlighted what I've liked of the show throughout the, the season. Mm-hmm. Anytime the Irons family gets a spotlight thrown on them, I'm really happy because I really like what Wooly Parks does as John Henry Irons. I love how Taylor Buck has really gotten some screen time and ran with it as Natalie Irons. Mm-hmm. And anytime that they're the focal point of an episode, I think it really adds something to it because they really bring out the most of their characters. Sure. And I think this was a great balance to the story of Lois and Clark and obviously Lois's battle with cancer. And now she's going through a double mastectomy coming up mm-hmm. and seeing the story involving the dress. Yeah. And I thought that all three elements of this episode really came off well. And like I say, it didn't feel like filler. No. It just felt like a self-contained story. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. Because it didn't feel like anything was throwaway. No. Because obviously we're coming off the big reveal of Chad Coleman's Bruno Mannheim finding out that John Henry Irons, Mm -hmm. that he thought he killed, is alive. Yeah. Asterix. Because it's a John Henry Irons from another timeline. Yep. So that has caused a lot of problems. Uh, Bruno's son, Mateo, is dating John Henry Irons' daughter, Natalie. Yep. And when they go on their date dinner to meet the parents, yep. uh, things go completely <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Bruno unleashes his forces onto John Henry Irons. Yeah, including his wife. His wife, who is super powered, uh, is sitting there trying to fight Superman as well. Yep. And she, Pad, what happens? Uh, she uses her powers to the point where I think there's still some remnants of the cancer cells in her body to where it's really attacking her and she collapses and passes out. And, and Clark takes a look at her with her superpowers and realizes, uh, I need to get her to a doctor or else she's going to die right here and now. And he takes off at super speed to get her to the nearest medical facility. Yes, which turns out to be a DOD medical yeah. facility. Yeah, I mean, it's a medical facility, just it's not a hospital. Right. So Bruno Mannheim winds up letting John Henry Irons go. He now yep. has the family problem with Mateo. Yeah. 
So that's been a storyline building up. I'm guessing he paid off the cops from last week because that was never mentioned. No, it definitely wasn't mentioned at all. And then we have the story going on with Natalie and Mateo's relationship. What's going to happen now? Because John Henry Irons knows who is connected Mm -hmm. to her boyfriend Mm -hmm. and immediately ends that relationship. But he now knows since he's been revealed, the danger is coming to Smallville. Say the uh, proverbial target is on their backs. Mm -hmm. So this episode had a lot to do with that, but there was also the great story of a flashback moment involving Clark and Lois throughout this. And where this episode kicks off is we have a flashback to when Clark and Lois are Metropolis, Mm -hmm. both working for the Daily Planet. Mm -hmm. And during this point, Lois winds up getting nominated for a prestigious award. Mm -hmm. I believe it's one level underneath the Pulitzer. Something like that, yeah. It's it's a journalism award. But Lois doesn't really set much by it because she goes, somebody brings it up to, one of her coworkers brings it up to her about this award. And she's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a popularity contest. Yeah. So... She kind of brushes it off, but Clark, being ever so optimistic, is really encouraging her to go. Like, we never get to go to these things. Yeah, so they're building up for something later in the episode, but they do do a little jumping back and forth with this. Because then we go right to the story of their sons. Mm -hmm. And that is Jordan, who is played by Alex Garrafin, and Jonathan, who's played by Michael Bishop. And one thing, and I say this every week, but I absolutely mean it, Jonathan Kent gets the best Mm-hmm. writing of any character on the show. And, and he's picked it up brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Especially Jumpin' in Bishop has just been excellent in this role. Yeah. And the storyline going on with them is Jonathan it has not developed superpowers yet, yep. but is still trying to find his own identity out of his dad and his brother Shadow because his brother Jordan does have superpowers. And he winds up joining the Smallville Fire Department. Yep. But during a call... Jordan interferes, albeit though intentions are meant completely good. Yeah. But he does leave some clues behind that (laughs) the fire department is now aware that there is a superpowered being flying around Smallville. You say some clues like he left behind a bit of hair or he left behind (laughs) a bit of fabric from his cape. No, he froze half of a fucking room. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, like the, like this isn't a clue like Batman analyzing a crime scene and being the only person picking up on the little slice that, that tips him off to who the big bad villain is. No, like we see the photo when Kyle looks at the, the iPad or the tablet and it's a it's a forensics photo that somebody took of what the hell happened at the fire. Because, hey, that happens. They got to determine how the fire started. And literally half of a fucking room is frozen from super breath. Mm hmm. So it's an interesting storyline that they're playing off there, and Jordan does agree that he will take it easy in his blossoming superhero career. (laughs) Yeah. So wait and see, dot, dot, dot. I'm going to put money down. He ain't going to be able to hold back for long. Right. Meanwhile, the story shifts at this point to Bruno Mannheim trying to see his wife, Pia. Yep. And during this, he is aware the DOD has her in prison. Well, so well, asterisk's in prison. Yeah, in prison. She's under medical surveillance, and the doctors are taking care of her. But I think it wasn't exactly hard. Either he was told or he was able to deduce based on the fact, well, he owns a hospital. Mm-hmm. So, like, he made some calls and realized, oh, she's not in any of the hospitals in the, in the, in the area. Well, I can figure out where she is. Yes. So 
they wind up having a sit down with the DOD and, and his lawyer. Yeah. And John Henry Irons is there too. Yeah. And I love the back and forth between Coleman and Parks. Oh my God. Like excellent stuff going on Could here. Cut the tension with a knife. Mm-hmm. And that's, and like I say, their storyline is really heating up and I love it. Like, I think that they're just, you can definitely tell when actors get together yeah. and they bring out the best in each other. Yeah. That's the vibe I get with Parks and Coleman. When they're on screen, like they're really challenging each other with their with their characters. And this makes for some of the best television. So during this, you see that John flat out calls out Bruno for all the experiments he's been doing. Mm-hmm. The Superman blood that's missing. Yeah, well, because initially it's it's Superman, John and Sam, General mm-hmm. Lane. And Superman wants to go in there and be the one to play, you know, good cop, bad cop or whatever. And John's like, no. I'm involved with this and blah, blah, blah. And so John goes in and he wants the information and he wants this, but like, it's like, Oh, give and take. And, and Bruno's like, show him, show me my wife. You can't withhold me from seeing my wife. And John goes, give us X, Y, Z, and we'll show you your wife. Mm-hmm. And the, and the lawyer's like, that's not how this works. Yeah. So it's left at a standstill for Bruno Mannheim that he's not willing to play ball. They say, you can't see your wife. So Bruno retaliates, yeah, and you can't say otherwise. This is a retaliation completely. He sends some of his forces to Smallville, right, to attack John Henry Irons and his daughter, uh, who is inadvertently there. Yeah, and you see as they're walking down a crowded street. This is after Natalie's been with Sarah, John, and uh, Jonathan and Jordan. Yeah, they had their whole little conversation about Matteo and figuring out what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. John is very protective because he knows what he did, that, yeah. he, that he has raised the anger of Bruno Mannheim and that he should be expecting some retaliation. So he is very aware of this, but I think for Natalie, it's not sinking in. Right. Well, because Natalie, at, while they're at the diner dinner table, diner table brings up like, oh, how's your dad handling, handling this? She's like, well, he took away my cell phone. He gave me this bracelet that's a tracking device. And then I think she mentioned the vest he gave her is like some sort of, I don't think it's Kevlar, but it's like some Kevlar equivalent mm-hmm. in the universe. And then she kind of reveals, and you don't, and I didn't see it initially, but like I believed it was there. She brings up, there's this like rod thing that she's like, oh, it's got the power to knock out a rhinoceros. Yeah. You know, he gave me. So clearly he is future prepping for some uh, bad shit. Well, you have to think about this. Ever since we've seen this version of John Henry Irons. Right. He's had one goal. Yeah. And that was to stop Superman. Right. For different reasons. I mean, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So you know that in the back of his head, he's gone through some things in his timeline that he has to be prepared for. Mm -hmm. And this is a situation that he's bringing this tech over and his knowledge. Yeah. And applying it. I don't want to say on a smaller scale because Bruno Mannheim can go to that level of a Superman. Yeah. With his resources. Yeah. So that being said, he's playing this very smart. But this is also making him act foolish because when Superman goes to Mannheim's building mm-hmm. to confront him mm-hmm. and try working out some kind of, he, I, I don't want to say agreement. He tries working out a deal because Superman tries appealing to his husbandly side mm-hmm. and saying, without without actually saying, I under because I think he even says to, I forget who it is, but he says this, he's like, I understand where he's coming from. Like, I understand how he feels, given what's going on with Lois. Yeah. He goes, I, I think I can talk to him. I understand where he's coming from. 
and he appeals to him. And, and on the surface, if you kind of read the, the body language from Bruno, you can see he's starting to agree with this. And, and he even Bruno even says when they make the, you know, unofficial agreement because they never shook hands, mm-hmm. you know, oh, how can I trust you? How do I know you're not going to pull a fast one on me? Superman goes, you have my word. Yeah. Which is about as good as you can get with with Superman. And then the little alarm sound goes off on his ear and he goes, I want you to know I had nothing to do with this. And some soldiers with automatic assault weapons come storming in with John Henry Irons basically leading the charge. Yeah. So, obviously, Mannheim's plan didn't work, and it worked at the same time. Yeah. Because what I think he's doing is he's playing a little game of chess here. Mm-hmm. And he's setting up John Henry Irons for something down the road. Yeah, because you, if you notice, the two times... Uh, spoiler alert, well, there were two times he got attacked in the streets in Smallville. Somebody took a photo with their phone both times. Mm-hmm. And it was very clearly in public with people on the street. This wasn't like, oh, in a back alley someplace. No, this is like literally in the middle of Main Street, Smallville. Right. Great catch on that too, Pat. So while this is going on, things away from Smallville have definitely uh, kind of fallen through the cracks a little bit. Yeah. Because obviously this has taken a lot of precedence, and they say Smallville, Lois is trying to get prepared for what's coming next. Because as when we saw her earlier in the episode two, she met with the doctors with Clark, and they're talking about options. Well, and, and things are look, you know, Lois is optimistic because things are looking good. Mm. But the doctors like, well, let's hold up before we go that far. We can talk about our next steps. Yes. And at this time, she's starting to go through her belongings and starting to give away some clothing. Yeah, because Lana is doing a, I think she's doing like, it's not said for what, but she's, it looks like she's doing a rummage sale. Yeah, where, it's, where, it's like a charity drive. Yeah, charity drive. People are bringing in old clothes and old stuff they don't need anymore to raise, raise some money. And Lois goes through all of her old clothes that she's not really wearing anymore. Right. So Superman is helping Lana with this. Obviously, they're longtime friends, Samuel yep. Kirky who's done an amazing job as Lana is trying to be the sympathetic friend to Clark and because Clark sees the dress come yeah. through and he's like, what is Lois doing? Yeah. And it brings up about how Lois is getting ready for her double mastectomy surgery uh-huh. and how she, the dress is very symbolic to that awards dinner that they went to. Mm-hmm. And Clark goes through the story about how he sold his baseball cards to do it because he had no money at the time. The Cal Ripken Jr. rookie card. Yeah. Oh. So he is trying to like figure out what's going on, and Lana's like, have you talked to Lois about what's happening? Uh-huh. And he's like, I don't know how to. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't understand what she's going through because, you know, like he's Kryptonian. She's yeah. human. And, yeah. you know, and I love how – Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tolkien and, and the writers have handled this whole situation too. Like I say, they've been very tasteful with how they presented it. Yeah. And you're really seeing Superman just, you know, trying to grasp this human issue. Yeah. And Lana is saying, listen, I'll go talk to her. And, you know, he's like, because he's like, I want to help her, but I don't know how. Yeah. So fun story. I was watching this episode with my girlfriend, Liz Bailey, who went through her own cancer battle uh, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and she picked up on why Lois was acting the way she did before I did. Because I, I was playing Clark. I'm like, why is she doing this with a dress? That's a gorgeous job. I was, I was Clark. I'm like, why is she doing this? It's a gorgeous dress and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as Clark walked out of the apartment and Lois said what she did, my girlfriend goes, she's afraid. And she picked up on it immediately. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll see about this. And then we get there. I'm like, well, all right, you're right. Yeah. So... 
it does lead to Lois and Lana talking, and it does lead to Clark, you know, having a talk with her later. Too. Yeah. And it goes back to when they were at the award show. And like I say, it's it's a it's always an interesting story when you see their lives in Metropolis. Yeah. This show obviously has been set in Smallville. They haven't spent a lot of time talking about their history. Right. And it's one that, I mean, obviously Superman's been around for 85 years. I'll say, I don't think you need to. Right. But I like it when the the show does pay some homage to Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. Dip, dip your toe in, but you don't need to go crazy. Right. So, like I say, we see this entire story and how it's playing out. Meanwhile, they are showing a lot of backstory with what's going on, too, with Bruno Mannheim. Mm-hmm. And obviously he is not handling what is going on because Mateo has more or less disowned him. Yeah. And went to go see Natalie. And Right. Well, and, he, and Natalie's got her own questions because when she was at the diner having a meal with Jonathan, Jordan, and Sarah, they're kind of like, all right, well, maybe he didn't know that much and maybe he did know what was going on. So there's, and when they find it, when uh, Natalie and Mateo finally meet up, she goes, did you know? And he's like, well, people would always say stuff about my dad, but I, you know, so I kind of had an idea, but I didn't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, what about your mom? And he goes, that I had no idea about. He goes, that I, that I had no clue. I was completely in the dark on that. Yeah. So they wind up having a reconciliation. Yeah. After he almost fumbles it. Yeah. He drops the L bomb. Yeah. So obviously everything is working there. You see that Jordan and Jonathan are uniting to yeah. they're, they're putting their, their issues aside for this week, dot, dot, dot. And it's almost like the happy ending, so to speak, until Bruno Mannheim decides he's not sitting back and taking what John Henry Irons did lying down. I'll say they were, they were wrapping this up with like 20 minutes left. I'm like, all right, something's going to happen here. There's too much time left. Yeah. And we see Bruno decides to do something. And what is that, Pad? Uh, he bring he brings back a certain uh, certain person we know. Yes, he goes back to the experiment, and I uh, it, it, it's weird to say that man's died twice and been brought back three times. But he has been playing this whole Doctor Frankenstein behind the scenes with Superman's blood. Uh, excuse me, sir. It's Frankenstein. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, sorry, young Frankenstein reference. Yes, yes. I, I love. Well played. Thank well you. played indeed. Thank you. So we do see that Bruno Mannheim gets back with Dr. Alistair Hook, mm-hmm. and they revive the Atom Man or Henry Miller, mm-hmm. <laughs> however you want to define him. Can we change Dr. Hook's name to Captain Hook? I like it better. It would be a lot better, but I think YPAD? Reasons. So we do see that Miller makes his way to Smallville yeah. to attack John Henry Irons. Yeah. And there is a brawl in the street. Yeah. So once again, another public incident where somebody is trying to kill John Henry Irons. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, I'd be like, all right, here we go again. Yeah. Not so much. But but in this situation, Henry Irons winds up getting the upper hand. Yeah. Hits him with a certain hammer. Well, so this is this that's after Clark shows up and Clark starts fighting him. Mm-hmm. And and Miller knocks Clark into the next fucking county. Yeah. Like he goes tumbling for a while and he starts flying back towards uh Smallville. At this point, it was some point after Clark recovers himself or when he's still flying, John's wrist communicator or whatever the hell the thing is reconnects with his computer. He summons the suit, the, and then the hammer starts coming towards him. And as Clark is flying back and he uses his supervision and sees what's going to happen, he goes, John, no. 
you get this wicked uppercut from Henry Irons hammer mm-hmm. in, into Miller and just clocks him into next week and kills him. And Clark confronts him. He and John goes, I did what I had to. I had no choice. Mm-hmm. And Superman just looks at him and gives this great line when they're not even looking at each other. And you can feel the tension. And Superman just goes, there's always a choice. Of course. Well, I mean, Superman's the ultimate Boy Scout. Yeah. And he does not cross that line unless, yeah. of course, you're Zack Snyder. <laughs> Which is, it is what it is. Martha. It is. But, it, like, let's be honest about it. Yeah. He doesn't cross that line. Yeah. So, and this show really captures that essence of him. So, to see yeah. John Henry Irons, who's fighting for his life, mind you. Yeah. So, this is not exactly like he decided to go, quote, unquote, murder him. But, let's face it, Miller's died about four times this season. So. At least, yeah. So, yeah. So, like I say, another one. It's, when I saw this, like, again? Another one. Another one. So when you see this happens, like you can understand the tension is building, and that's something that Bruno is setting up too, mm-hmm. because he understands the long game involving this. So I love how they're doing this and really putting the pressure on John Henry Irons that you know there is going to be this massive amount of friction and tension between him and Clark yeah. moving forward. There's going to be a falling out, I feel. Well, yeah, because in this situation, Clark can't reason with him. No. And the attacks are too personal. And I think at some point, not saying we're going to see the next episode, but at some point before it's all said and done, right. John's going to go, what if you were in my shoes and you're yeah. human? Well, and I and John brought that up to a certain degree earlier in the episode when he went to go, I want to say interrogate, but it wasn't an interrogation, uh, Bruno and his lawyer, where they were kind of debating back and forth, oh, who should go in there, who should go in there? I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is too per Well, he said something about being personal or mm. whatever. And John retorted to him, Bruno made this personal when he strapped a bomb to my sister. Yeah. So there's definitely that side of things that Clark just doesn't get. But yeah. he, but this is his character. He doesn't get that. Yeah. It's the one thing about being Superman. He's Kryptonian. He does not process certain things like that. I mean, you can say it's him being the ultimate Boy Scout. Yeah. But I think it's just him growing up and just realizing, like, he sees things a lot different than the rest of the world. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. He just sees things different. So they're building up the tension there. They get away from this story. We go back to see Lois is put on the dress and flies yep. with Clark through the sky because that's what they did the first time. Yeah. Things happen. So, was, like I say, nice. yeah, it was a nice moment to wrap their story up. And, you know, obviously with what Lois is going to be dealing with. Like uh-huh. I say, I, I thought they handled this very tastefully. Oh, I did too. I, and I, that was the final shot of the episode, and I and I was sitting there watching again with my girlfriend, and I'm like, all right, are they going to give us the happy ending, or is shit going to hit the fan in the last five seconds? Yeah. But they gave us the happy ending. They gave the happy ending because yeah. where they leave the uh, quote-unquote WTF moment, Bruno decides to show Mateo something. Oh, yeah. And he shows him Bizarro. Yeah. And he's got this plan. Because apparently Bruno's figured out a way for Bizarro to help save his mother. Yeah. What that is, we don't know. We don't know. And that's how the episode wraps up. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of good things happened here. Yeah. Like I said, I love the story. And I know we didn't go, like, full, full detail about the dress story and the the word of Metropolis. But you get the gist, though. There wasn't much to it. It was kind of just, like, all flashbacks tying into Lois and Clark's uh, relationship. Yeah. And I love when they go there, especially, like I said, the time in Metropolis with them pre-kids is always fun. Because it's nostalgic. Yeah. And, And, like I say, this show captures that Superman Better than anything. Yes. You're going to see. I mean, outside of the late Christopher Reeves films, in my opinion. Yeah. So to see that go on is great. And then to see 
the moments with Bruno Mannheim versus John Henry Irons and the in the back and forth battle. That's I, I love that because both actors are just elevating things to another level. That when we get that big payoff and it's coming, oh yeah, it's going to be monumental. Oh yeah. Final thoughts on the episode, Pat? No, I agree with you. To some, it might feel like filler, but it wasn't filler. It was kind of like I said, it's a pivot to the next part of the story. You know, we've got all the players introduced and we've got the storylines building, but now that storyline has played out and we got to pivot, turn the corner, turn the page to the next part of the story. You know, that now that we've got all the pieces in place, well, you know what? Those pieces got to move to certain other places. You know, game of chess don't move with only one or two uh, one or two moves unless you're really fucking good. Uh, but we know what was fucking good was this episode. And I'm a big fan of it. Highly recommend it. Absolutely. So hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about season three's episode nine of Lois, or Superman and Lois, rather, entitled The Dress? Hit us up on that hashtag. Let us know what you thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to talk some wrestling. Hell yeah, we do. So it is a monster weekend of pro wrestling. Yeah. And we did a deep dive about this on the latest edition of 607TWS, the wrestling show on your favorite podcast provider with Rich from 3FN. But Pat and I have to break down the latest in the WWE's weekend. And man, they have a stacked weekend at hand. Good Lord, do they ever. They've got two cards going on this weekend, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, we're going to start with the one on Sunday, and that is not the main roster. This is to the folks over at NXT. Uh, and that is NXT Battleground taking place on Sunday, May the 28th from the Sungas Center in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm going to go through some of the matches on this card because it is looking pretty darn good. Uh, you got six matches on this card. Don't think it's going to change any between now and uh, showtime because, hey, NXT's already aired. Yeah, they got solidified last night. Yep. Uh, so the uh, first match we're, matchup we're going to talk about is a tag team match for the NXT Tag Team Champions. Championships, and it is Gallus uh, in Mark Coffee and Wolfgang with Joe Coffee uh, defending their belts against the Creed brothers in Brutus and uh, Julius Creed. So Gallus has been impressive since they've made it over to the regular NXT roster. Obviously, uh-huh. we know them from NXT UK. And I tell you what, I love what they've been doing down here. I do too. I really think they've been making the most of their time. And they've adapted to the American audience very, very well. Like, you can see the characters are starting to form a little more. So they've been really fun to watch. And the Creed brothers are, like, listen, they're going to be on the main roster sooner than later. This is going to be a hell of a match. I'm super excited for it. I'm going to say Gallus wins 
but I would not mind seeing this get ran back either. Uh, I'm going to say Gallus as well. I agree with everything you said. They've been doing a lot of good work and give them a decent run. You know, yeah. they're all they're not a lot of folks here stateside might have watched NXT UK for whatever reason. Give them a long run and get them real introduced to the NXT crowd. Uh, next matchup is for those uh, who are not of weak of heart or faint constitutions. Uh, folks, bring your bring your mouth guards, bring your headgear because we're going to see some teeth fly out of this match in a last man standing match. Ilya Dragunov versus Dijak. Oh my God, uh, this might be match of the weekend for WWE. <laughs> you know, holy fuck, Dragunov versus the formerly known as Walter Gunther. Mm-hmm. Was match of the year. Yeah, it was. Uh, it has been match of the year whenever they've had it. And I tell you what, Dragunov versus Dijak might rival it. Oh, it could. This is not going to be one for the week of heart. Nope. This is going to be as hard-hitting, as real as it gets, maybe, quote-unquote. <sighs> uh, we win as fans. Yeah, we do. I'm going to say... Dragging off, but okay. don't like I it could go either way. I'm just yeah. happy to see I'm happy to see Dijak yeah. wrestling and it's not part of yeah. retribution or yeah. you know any kind of nonsense like that. I'm just happy to see him get a, a very interesting push in NXT. I mean, I, the gimmick is a little something, but yeah, I, I'm just happy to see him get to do what he does. I'm going to say it's going to be Dragunov as well, but I don't think this will be the last matchup we see with these two. I guys. hope not. I think we could see a couple of matches for this. If you if you read the rumors and you believe what's what's to be said about the future for Dragunov, I think he'll stick around for a little bit before we see if those rumors are to be true. No, if we get him and Gunther on the main roster, I'm, uh, I'm all in. The rumor is he could be joining Imperium. If he joins and then defects, I'm I'm even more excited about that. That turn would be the best heel turn I've seen in quite some time. See, well, I don't even want to say heel turn. They're like, if he does join Imperium and then eventually turns on him, my God, the pop will be insane. That's where they have to go with this. But I will say this right now. If you give me Dragunov versus Pete Dunne at Survivor Series. Please. I'll be, I'll be extremely happy. I'm just going to put that out there. Putting, putting the karma into the world. Uh, next up is a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship. And you've got Wes Lee defending his belt against Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy. The most compelling championship in all of NXT. I could be wrong, but I believe Wesley is now the longest reigning North American champion in NXT history. He's close. He's If he's not longest, it's really close. He's real close. And I love the storyline they're doing. I know it has comparisons to Orange Cassidy's international title for AEW. Sure. Because both of them have been unlikely champions. And both have had this whole open door challenge. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a feud between them. Yeah. And they have been planting some seeds for this one for a while. Joe Gacy and his faction. I'm putting a question mark by it because yeah. obviously we've heard a lot of rumors yeah. that the grizzled young vets asked for their release. They yes. did not get it. Yes. Uh, like I say, rumors with that. So yeah. their future involving Gacy, and it's nothing between the, the two of them, by the way. Right. It's yeah, obviously some some things out of their hands. Whatever's going to go on that faction, who knows? Right. But I think that now Gacy is getting back into this, the singles aspect of things and him kind of planting the seeds, pun intended, between Tyler Bates and 
uh, Wesley mm-hmm. having problems being friends yeah. and for the championship. I love the setup they've done. You don't need to do a lot when your champion is just taking on all competitors. Yeah. This, though, I have a feeling we're going to crown and new. Mm-hmm. I think Wesley has had a great run. If he retains, I'm not mad. Right. Because I would love to see this be him versus Tyler Bate one-on-one and just let them go. That'd be good. But I feel this is going to be Gacy's time to shine with the belt. And I think that while Wesley has had a fantastic run, I felt that it could it should have ended last time sure. when they did a takeover event. Sure. And I wasn't mad that they kept it on him because, he's like I say, he's a great performer, and, and the more he can do it, the better. But I feel, though, it's at, at that point where it's like you've already beat – so many names on that roster, right? You got to take the belt off them and it's do like something the, it's else. like the Mighty Mouse run. You've beaten everybody. Yeah, like who else is there? No, I agree with you. If Wesley retains this, I'm not going to be mad because he's been such a great champion with that belt. But I think they're real high on Gacy and Asterisk. You know, we we are we have seen Joe Gacy wrestle here in the 607 area locally for a number of years, so we're we're a little bit homers. Yeah. Um, but I th- I think they're going to give it to Gacy. They seem to be high on Gacy. I know he worked a couple of dark matches on the uh, main roster the last couple, not recently, but like a couple weeks ago. I know during the the draft on Monday night uh, a couple weeks ago, I know he was there for a dark match, and you know he's been doing some stuff. So they they appear to be there because they're not just giving that to anybody. Mm-hmm. They they appear to be high on him, and I think that you know you know what times now times hot. Let's give him a belt and give him a run and see what can happen with that. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say and new, and it's going to be Gacy. Yeah, I'm excited to see this. Uh, next up is a uh, British rounds rules match for the NXT Heritage Cup uh, between Noam Dar and Dragon Lee. Sleeper match of the card. Oh, yeah, will be. Not a ton of build for it, but you don't need it. Two performers are going to go in there and, and tear the roof off the place. I like Noam Dar in this one. Yeah. Just for reasons, but I'm not going to be mad if Dragon Lee wins. Uh, so for those of you who might not be familiar, because I know I'm not, uh, the British rounds rules for this are uh, matches consist of six three-minute rounds with 20-second breaks between each round. Matches are two out of three falls. Falls can be won by pinfall, submission, or countout. Once the fall occurs, the round ends. The match ends once a wrestler has won two falls. In the event of a disqualification or knockout, the match instantly ends without the need for two falls. If all six rounds are completed, whoever is ahead on falls wins the match. So a little complicated, but I'm sure they won't get that complicated or that in the weeds for it. This is going to be great. This is going to be, I agree with you, this is going to be sleeper match of the weekend, and I'm going to say no Amdar. Yeah, I think he's retained. You mean Uh just came back with it? It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up is a, a, a tournament final match, a singles matchup for the vacant NXT Women's Championship, and this is between Lyra, Valkyria, and Tiffany Stratton. Team Stratton all day, yep. every day. Yep. All day. Uh, surprised that they're pushing her at this level right now to a degree. Right. But I could see why. Yeah. It looks like they're going to keep Roxanne Perez occupied from the title picture for a while. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Former champion. Yeah. And obviously with her character, having her be champion is not as interesting as her chasing the belt. Right. Just with how NXT is set up. I I know former Ring of Honor champion, and she's amazing in the ring. No question about it. But I think the move is very tailor-made for the WWE with Stratton's character. Sure. And I think that this is going to be a real interesting test for her because I fully think she wins. I mean, nothing against Valkyra, sure, sure. but Valkyra just came back. Right. 
a lot too soon. I don't right. think the crowd is behind her or familiar with her character enough right. to give her the belt in front of that kind of a live crowd. Right. Stratton is an interesting character, though. Yeah. And like I say, there's a lot of parallels to like an MJF. There's Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm better than you and you know it. Yeah. And I think what's going to be the real test here with Stratton is you give her the belt. What is she going to do with it? Is it too much too soon? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be that bad because I think that they're going to take their time developing her character. Yeah. And I want to say that this is going to be not a temporary spot, but I think you're going to really see by the time her title reign is done, mm-hmm. the character is going to be fully ready to go to the main roster. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's going to end up being Tiffany Stratton just because, listen, nothing against any of the other women who have been in this tournament, but, and I'm not saying the NXT women's roster is depleted. They took a hit, though. You know, you lost Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. You lost, you know, uh, Katana Chance and, and Kiana James. Um, you know, you lost well, Casey Catanzaro and her. Yeah, that's 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 uh, Carter there. Yeah, could can Chance and Carter. You know, they went main roster. You know, you lost Zoe Starks. Mm-hmm. So you lost a lot of some of the main players. Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell went to the main roster. So you lost a lot of kind of the mainstays recently from NXT. And yeah, Roxanne Perez is still there, and Cora Jade's still there, and they're absolutely some of the mainstays and some of the folks you know. But you look at just some of the rest of these women that were in this tournament. You know, Gigi Dolan and G- G- Dolan and Jay. AC Jane. Okay. Yes, we know they're singles wrestlers. You look at some of their work on the indie scene, but what have they been known for pretty much their entire WWE run until recently? Tag teams. Yeah. Toxic attraction. Toxic attraction. You know, you got to, while we, the viewers who watch the indies and are familiar with their outside work, know they're singles wrestlers. The folks who only consume WWE stuff don't know they can do singles stuff. So you kind of got to establish them. Hey, they're not just tag team specialists. They can do singles stuff. You know, you've got Lyra Valkyrie, who just came back, like you mentioned. You know, and then you've got Fallon Henley, who was also there. So, like, a lot of these women, like, you know them, but, like, you might not be familiar. So, you got to build up and you got to establish, you know, some of these women on, on the NXT roster. Like, hey, these are the next ones. You know, but, and I think that's what this tournament has done brilliantly. And I think, I agree with you, give Tiffany Stratton the run. It's a great character, and I think you can really use I agree with you. You can use the run for her to develop it. I think it can be a great run. And whenever this run is done, I think she's going to be ready for main roster. Yeah, I think right now NXT <coughs> got hit pretty hard with the WWE draft. <laughs> yeah, they did see Shawn Michaels' reactions. But the thing about NXT, which this is a feather in their cap too, they have so much depth there. Yes, they do. That they're not going to be hurting that bad. It's just taking the time now to establish those new stars. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're doing, and I think that's why Roxanne Perez and, and Cora Jade, which, I mean, I'm more surprised she's not in the title picture for now. Right. She's kind of in this... For me, it's just like she's she's kind of like lost right now. Right. Because she's so tied with Roxanne Perez, but she could be doing something else. Where are we going to put her? Right. And, you know, like I say, but she I think she needs to do something with her character before taking that next step. And I think that you you take a look at those two with Stratton and with some of the other names that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. They have enough talent in that roster like they're going to be fine. They just need somebody to I hate using this term, but it's true. They'll step up and take the brass ring. Right. They're going to need somebody to make that next step. I fully believe they're going to. So the kind of calm in the waters right now Mm -hmm. is not going to last long and that thing is going to be right having so many stars by the time we get to SummerSlam 
it's going to be something really special to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then what will be your main event is a singles matchup for the NXT Championship with Carmelo Hayes defending his belt against Braun Breaker. So this is an interesting uh, test here. Carmelo Hayes winning. I mean, he is the guy in NXT. Yes, he is. Absolutely phenomenal performer. The future is so bright for him. The same can be said for Braun Breaker, but Braun as a heel is light years better. Yes, he is. Than what we've seen from him previously. So the question is, where do you go with this match? And I think, I honestly don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's tough to figure out. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the yeah, on one hand, if Carmella wins, which I mean, they don't like playing hot potato with the belt. Right. I could see him winning and it'd be a very, you know, one of those situations where his shoulders are pinned and Braun's tapping out or something like that. It's right. It's a double finish. Right. I could see something like that happening here because, like I say, you're not going to play hot potato with the belt, so I don't think Braun walks with it. However, though... If Braun does, and it sets up another back and forth, and this is a new fight forever in NXT, sure, I think this is a win, too, because Braun as a heel champion is an interesting character to run mm-hmm. with. I just think he needs somebody with him. I, I don't, I'm not saying a Paul Heyman, but I think he needs something or someone added to his character. Right. And I think we might see that after this match. If I have to make a prediction, though, I'm going to say Carmelo. Sure. But I would not be surprised if it's Braun. Sure. Uh, I I think, I don't know who's going to win this. I think no matter who it wins, it's not going to be a clean finish. It's going to be some sort of screwy finish where, like, there's not a definitive clear winner that, like, oh, the ref didn't see this happen or that happen. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that, that it affected the outcome. So I, I think, if I read right, the next NXT show is going to be in August around SummerSlam. Yep. So my guess is whatever happens with this, it's going to be a screwy finish, DQ, what, like somebody gets a pin, gets a win, but like, oh, shenanigans were involved, so it shouldn't have happened or whatever. And we'll see the the next match or like the blow-off match at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. you know, or the weekend of SummerSlam, and that's where we'll see the, the finale of this. I, I just don't see this ending this weekend. No, I don't think it is. And honestly, if it did, who's next to step up? Exactly. Like, that's the question. Exactly. The only thing you could say is maybe, and like I'm going to stress maybe when I say this, if Wesley loses sure, and it's him against Braun Breaker, but then mm. you'd have to have like Carmelo versus Trick. Right. And I don't, I don't know if they want to go that route just yet. I, just, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't but so. the one thing is, if you haven't watched NXT lately, NXT is back to – the Triple H ways, yeah, but it's different with Shawn Michaels' influence on it. It might sound a little weird to watch, but trust me when I say this. When you watch that show, they're going to put on a hell of a performance. It's going to be a, a lot of fun watching this weekend. Uh-huh. And obviously, coming off the heels of what we're going to be talking about next, WWE is prime for a big weekend and yeah, a lot of great wrestling to talk about. Yeah, they are. So taking place Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Peacock. I uh, should also know uh, Battleground is on at 8 o'clock on Sunday on Peacock. Uh, but Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern uh, on Peacock, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Great time for you folks out west. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little wrestling with your breakfast uh, is going to be Night of Champions taking place from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia at the Jeddah Superdome. Uh, this was the card that was originally supposed to be King and Queen of the Ring, but they changed it because on the 28th, I want to say, uh, Roman Reigns will have eclipsed uh, 1,000 days as Universal Champion. And he will eclipse that because, well, Universal Belt's not on the line. We'll get to that in just a minute, though. <laughs> 
Uh, so we're going to preview some of the matches on this card, and one of which we're going to talk about is made official on Monday night uh, as we record, uh, and that is a singles matchup between Becky Lynch and Tris Stratus. Love this. Love this entire feud. Uh-huh. Tris Stratus, arguably the goat of women's wrestling. Yes. And, like, listen, it's it's a tough debate. It really is. Seeing her come back at this stage and looks like she hasn't missed a beat. No. Stepping in there to face another Hall of Famer when she retires to and Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. They've done a great job with this feud. The um, promos between the two of them. The promo work has been on point. The promo on Monday at the contract signing where at the end of it, Becky Lynch goes, uh, welcome to the welcome to the big times. Wolf, wolf, bitch. Yeah. And I went, oh, shit, they went there. Yeah, going back to Trisha's uh Interesting times yeah. with Vince McMahon yeah. and, and the barking like a dog incident. YouTube it if yep. you're not familiar. Yeah, and Trish giving it right back to Becky too. Like I say, they've done such a masterful job with this. I'm gonna say Trish wins. Yeah, just to extend the feud. Yeah, because I need this. Uh, next up is going to be a singles matchup for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, and that is Rhea Ripley defending her belt against Natalia. Yeah, this is a late addition. I had a feeling Natalia might be the one to plug and play in here. Yeah. Because Rhea does not have a clear-cut number one contender right now. No, she, all she's been really doing on television lately is just kind of being ringside for Dominic, or sorry, Dom-Doms matches. Uh, uh. Yeah. But listen, anytime I can get Rhea on my TV, I'm happy. So yeah. uh, this one. It'll be a good match. It'll be a good match. Well, it won't be the best match of the weekend, but. It'll be enjoyable. I mean, it'll be solid. I mean, yeah. Natalia always puts on good work in the ring. And, and like yeah. I say, her against Rhea, I'm all right with this. But yeah, Rhea retains, no question. Then you've got uh, Bianca Belair defending her Raw Women's Championship against Asuka in a singles match. Interesting feud going on right here. Uh-huh. Full-blown heel Asuka is in a full effect. Oh, yeah, she is. Like I say, and she is absolutely poised to take this belt. In fact, I think I am leaning that she is going to actually get the big win here. Yeah, I do too. I mean, we're already at a point where, like, this is a WrestleMania rematch. We said going into WrestleMania, like, who has Bianca got left to face if she retains? And, well, she's still retained. I don't see Bianca walking out of here. Uh, retaining the belt. I think it's going to go to Asuka. And then we give heel Asuka a run on the main roster. And, yo, that's going to have some fun. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to see. So uh-huh. I, I think I think this is going to be the title change of the weekend. Could be. Uh, next up is a singles matchup for the WWE Intercontinental Championship with your champion Gunther defending his belt against Mustafa Ali. So this is an interesting situation WWE has here. Yes, it is. Gunther has been Intercontinental Champion for quite some time now. Uh, approaching the long... I think he's the longest of the modern era. Yeah. And approaching the longest of all time. And they had the Battle Royal to crown the number one contender here, so Ali wins the belt. Yep. And I was thinking this might go to Gunther, no questions asked. Sure. Until the promo for Monday night. Uh-huh. And Ali broke character. Yes, he did. And went away from his uh, what, happy, mi- happy go lucky. Yeah, Mister Positivity. Happy to be here. Yeah, and really cut it right down the middle and said like, I've never gotten a title shot. I've never gotten this. Like yep. this is a big moment for me. Yeah. And even though Brock Lesnar ruined it and it's now a meme all over the place, <laughs> I still think this is Ali's to win. I, I think we're gonna yeah, have an upset. Yeah. I think it's gonna happen. Maybe like a quick roll up or something. And. Yeah. We see what happens from here, but I fully think they're setting up for Gunther versus Cody mm-hmm. after this. Uh, he loses the belt, and I think mm-hmm. it's after the show. Maybe I th- I think I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say 
Ali wins to give him that nice moment because Ali's always been featured prominently in in Saudi Arabia. He's always gotten a moment. And he's always gotten a shine. I don't think he. I think he's from Illinois, but he's got heritage and family from that that part of the world. So it's a little bit of a little bit of a quasi semi hometown pop, you know. Uh, so I think Ali's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be so Gunther can go on to face Cody because as I've said before, Cody and Brock ain't done yet. No mm. matter which way, spoiler alert, no matter what happens with that matchup on on Saturday, that feud ain't over. Yeah. So I think we're going to see Gunther versus Ali maybe one more time at either Money in the Bank or even SummerSlam. And then we'll move on and, and Gunther will go on to other things. But I, 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 can, I can see them giving Ali the rub. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, in front of the quote-unquote hometown crowd. Yeah, I mean, it would be it be a nice, a moment. nice moment. Like I said, I could see it going either way, to be honest with yeah. you. But I think it would be a very cool moment to see. Yeah. Though. Uh, next up is uh, the next three matches could all main event this damn thing. It's a, it's a triple main event card. Uh, and the next one we're going to talk about is a tag team matchup for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions Championships. With your champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending their belt against the Bloodline in Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. Best storyline in pro wrestling keeps on rolling. Yeah, it does. Uh, Cody and Cody and or not Cody, uh, Sammy and Kevin on Monday talking about how Roman dedicating the dedicating the match to Offensika, the greatest tag team in in WWE history. And Kevin Owens goes, Nah, we're going to dedicate it to the real best tag team in WWE history, Jimmy and Jay Uso. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well played, top to bottom, yeah. and in this match. Kevin and Sammy just won the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Roman needs something to do since there's no clear-cut number one contender for his belt right, right now. Right, They've been doing more breaking up of the bloodline. In this situation, I fully think the Usos get involved and yep. cost Roman the belts. Uh-huh. And I think Kevin and Sammy retain to extend their feud. I do, too, coming I mean, because you look at what happened on SmackDown last week where you had, the mat, you had the incident where Roman's yelling, what are you doing? I had this. You're not supposed to do this, blah, blah, blah. I think it's going to happen again. You know, Roman's not going to be turned into Roman four belts. So mm-hmm. It'll still be Roman two belts. It's Kevin and Sammy retain. Yeah. Uh, next up is a singles matchup between Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Well, the Cody Hard Times Tour continues on. On Monday, it looked like his arm was, quote-unquote, broken. Twice. If you believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this one, the Rhodes Lander is facing Brock in their feud, and I think that it's time Brock gets that W back. I agree with you, Pat. I think they're going to extend their feud to SummerSlam. I think that yeah. Brock wins yep. in, I'm going to say, a squash match. I agree with you 100%. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I'm going to go so far as to say a Cena versus Lesnar at SummerSlam squash. Yeah. Like this, this Cody ain't going to get shit in on this. No. Because you, you look at how they're kind of setting it up where Brock pinned his arm against the the, bar- the the door, the steel door backstage and slammed the garbage can in it. And then he gave him the Kimura and he quote unquote broke his arm in the Kimura. Mm-hmm. Like he could barely move it. And Triple H had to talk him out, tried to talk him out of it, but Cody wouldn't say no. Yeah. I, I think Cody's going to get squashed like Cena did at SummerSlam. I think he is, and I think he's going to call him out for Hell in a Cell at SummerSlam. Yeah, I could see it. I think you're going to – you will have the blow-off match between those two at SummerSlam. Yeah. Hands down, and Cody wins that one outright. Yeah. I just don't think you're going to have anything at Money in the Bank, and I think this will actually set up for Cody not being in Money in the Bank. Yeah, I, th- I think Cody's going to get squashed so much that he's not going to be able to even partake. Like, he might be off TV for a couple of weeks. It, it's that badly. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, in a, the tournament final for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, you've got Seth freaking Rollins taking on AJ Styles. 
Well, a new belt is coming into play since uh, each brand wants to have their own champion. New belt, old belt, we're not quite sure. They've never said. Yeah. Will this will this continue the lineage of the old world heavyweight championship? Is it a new lineage? I've heard they're going to continue it, so uh, okay. we'll, we'll have to see. That's the first I've heard. Yeah, so I believe this is the first time since Randy Orton had the belt. Oh, mm. uh, way back when. Way back when. But they've had a great tournament for this, and anytime you have a, a tournament involved for a champion, I think it's a yeah. great way to do this. Yeah. You can't get better than these two in the ring. This so is a WrestleMania match. Yeah, absolutely. So this one, I said it once, I'll say it again. This is Seth Rollins to lose. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot of sense to give him the belt. Yep. I think there's been a lot to his interview segments where he's broken character and kind of said how he's felt overlooked and how he's been the best on the roster. So I think this is that nod to it, especially with the whole deal with AJ being a SmackDown superstar to move the entire roster of yeah. the club yeah. over here if he wins. I, yeah. It just doesn't make a lot of business sense to me. So no. Seth wins in a match of the weekend. Yeah, no, I agree, too. I agree, too. I think it's going to be Seth just because for everything you guys both said on 607TWS this weekend, if you want to find out what they said, go listen. Uh, but, no, I, I agree. It just it's, it's a whole lot of moving parts to move all of the club over to Raw when you just put him on SmackDown. It makes no sense. Uh, but, no, I think you give it to Seth and you let Seth have a run because Seth hadn't had a lengthy run with the main belt in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think he's long over to two for it. And, plus, <laughs> it keeps Cody out of the title picture. And yes. that's the big thing about this. Cody, yes. Cody doesn't need the belt. I, as weird as it sounds, Seth does. Yeah. Just because Seth has been doing so much fantastic work on the roster, he definitely deserves to get rewarded for it. So you yes. definitely want to keep an eye out for that. Yes. So, like we said, WWE has a phenomenal card of wrestling this weekend. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What shows are you looking forward to this weekend as far as pro wrestling goes? There's a couple other federations that are running too as well. If you want to hear a deeper dive about them, make sure to check out the latest edition of 607TWS, The Wrestling Show, where you can find on every single podcast provider there is. Or if you want to, just head to odphpodcast.com. we got the link right on the front page. That said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. I'm uh, going to start with some sports stuff first and obviously the local minute. I'm going to talk some Binghamton Rumble Ponies. And got to mention, it was announced uh, that returning to Nice Egg Stadium, or excuse me, Marabito Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, Freudian slip there, uh, this summer is the summer movie series at the ballpark. So this is where you go, you pay money, you, know, you go watch a game, and then after the game is over, you can go out onto the field, I believe. Could be wrong. Don't don't quote me on that. Uh, but you go and you watch a movie. Uh, so the movies they will be showing this uh, summer at the stadium in Binghamton uh, on June 3rd will be the Disney uh, Disney Pixar film Lightyear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the live action, well, live action, quote unquote, uh, Buzz Lightyear movie with Chris Evans starring as the title character. Uh, July 8th. Top Gun Maverick. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, seen that movie, that'd be fun in the ballpark. The hell is wrong with you? Go watch that movie. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, you can watch it at the ballpark. Uh, August twelfth will be Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Uh, so I've heard that's a great movie. If you 
so you can go see that with the kids. Uh, and then on October 13th, appropriately, Haunted Mansion, uh, the new one uh, with, from Disney. So that'll be something cool to see. So uh, definitely check those out. Uh, and then looking at their schedule uh, from this past week, uh, and then I got ahead to the games they have this upcoming week. Uh, so the games, they were, of course, on the road in New Hampshire last week. They won their game on Tuesday by the final score of 5-7, to seven, or 7-5, seven to five, excuse me. Uh, lost their game on Wednesday by the final score of three to one. Won on Thursday eight to two. Lost on Friday six to nothing. Uh, the game on Saturday was postponed because of rain, but made up as part of a uh, doubleheader on Sunday, where they won the first game by the final score of nine to eight. Lost the second game by the final score of ten to five. And then mm. they they played a game this week. Uh, they're playing the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Uh, they won their game on Tuesday by the final score of eight to six. Uh, they've got some other games going on this week. Uh, they've got a game currently in progress against Richmond, where they are winning by the or excuse me, losing one to nothing. Uh, they've got some other games this week. Uh, Thursday, they are playing Richmond at six thirty five p.m. Eastern. Uh, they're playing again on Friday at seven o five p.m. Eastern. Uh, Saturday, they are playing at six o seven p.m. Eastern, appropriately because it's six o seven Saturdays. Uh, and then on Sunday, they're playing uh, at six thirty five p.m. Eastern, and that will also be a mil- uh, fireworks series. I'm going to guess that's going to be one of the real good fireworks shows of the weekend because, of course, it is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, so they'll definitely give that a check out for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, being rp.com. Uh, i got to st- mention some footy because the English Premier League season is wrapping up here very shortly. Got a couple, I think only about a week more, well, more games. Uh, Manchester City, congratulations to the, uh, those guys. They did win the English Premier League title, wrusting it away from Arsenal, who... Choked it away. Uh, they pulled, really? They pulled an Atlanta Falcons 28-3 lead, wow. and they fucking blew it. Uh, so Manchester City is in there uh, ahead of Arsenal. You've got Newcastle United and then Manchester United rounding out the top four. Uh, as of right now, only the top three are secured for the Champions League next year. So the way it works in the English Premier League is the top four teams qualify for the UEFA Champions League next, next year. Mm-hmm. So Manchester City, Arsenal, and Newcastle have all qualified. Fourth is Manchester United. Fifth is Liverpool. So that's still kind of up in the air. Could go either way. Comes down to the games they got this week with Liverpool being at 66 points. uh, Manchester United being at 69. So could get real interesting to see how this goes. Uh, But so that's definitely been something to watch and fun. Uh, switching over to some entertainment news. Uh, PlayStation had a showcase today as we record. Yes. Uh, They announced some awesome stuff. I'm not going to go through everything, but this is just kind of some of the some of the more important stuff that was mentioned. Uh, first of which is going to be there is a remake for the Metal Gear Solid uh, games. Uh, so this reading from an article on IGN.com. It says, quote, um, PlayStation announced a remake of Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. None of the game itself was shown as we instead got a big mysterious teaser trailer leading up to Snake's big reveal. PlayStation also announced the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1, which includes Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, and Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, which is which comes is coming to the PlayStation 5 sometime this fall. Could be wrong, but I think this is the first time those games have gotten an HD remaster. So that'll definitely be something to check out. Uh, also announced was we got a release date for the next Assassin's Creed game. This is Mirage. Awesome gameplay trailer. I cannot wait to play this. Uh, this is coming to uh, Xbox Series X and S, the Xbox One, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, uh, PC, and the Amazon Luna, or whatever the hell that is. Uh, and it is coming out on October 12th, or yeah, October 12th. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Looks awesome. Uh, and then Alan Wake 2. Uh, Alan Wake finally getting a sequel. Alan Wake 2 is coming to uh, consoles on October 
16th. Uh, got a new trailer for the upcoming Final Fantasy 16 game, which looks good, but I said that about the last game. First. Yeah, I was going to say. I said that about 15, and 15 did not wow me. Final Fantasy 7 Remake, though, real good. Uh, and also announced a Dragon's Dogma 2. Uh, did not see this coming at all. Looks real interesting. Bungie is finally doing something other than Destiny. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. They've been doing Destiny for what feels like 10 years, but no, they announced a new entry in the Marathon series. Uh, reading from an article on I, the article on IGN.com, quote, Marathon is a first-person shooter Bungie originally released on Mac in 1992, making this a pretty deep cut for Bungie to return to. The game isn't a direct sequel to the originals, but Bungie says it belongs in the same universe. According to PlayStation, the game is player versus player focused and won't feature a single player campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get a look at the new Street Fighter 6 story mode, which, hey, Street Fighter, about all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, they did announce a couple of things for the uh, PlayStation VR 2, you know, which I'm not a fan of, but hey, some people may be interested. A couple of them did interest me, though. Uh, they did announce a Resident Evil 4 remake VR mode. Mm-hmm. So you've got the Resident Evil 4 remake that just came out. Well, you're go- if you got the PlayStation VR 2, uh, you're going to be able to play that game in a VR mode, which sounds awesome. Uh, and then also Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted 2, which it's Five Nights at Freddy's, which if, you, which if you're familiar with hmm. that game, that game in VR, yo. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of control. I know the trailer came out. Yeah. That looked wild yeah. as all can be. Yeah, it does. And then lastly, certainly not leastly, the game they saved for last, the game a lot of folks have been uh, anticipating, and the Spider-Man PS4 subreddit can put down his fucking pitchforks and porches. <laughs> Good goddamn. Uh, we got a gameplay trailer for the upcoming Spider-Man 2 video game, and we found out another villain who's going to be in this. Well, villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, one being Craven, and the other being uh, Dr. Kirk Connors as the Lizard. Uh, the gameplay trailer looked amazing. Looked phenomenal. Oh, my God. They, just the fighting and the, and the navigating the city. It's astounding to me. And listen, Insomniac, who makes the game, one of the best video game studios out there. The fact that like they've only made two of these, in each of the game's controls feel different from the previous one is astounding. First game's controls are phenomenal and fluid, and you could keep it as that, and I'd be happy. But there was a gameplay tr- moment in the tr- in the trailer for the upcoming Spider-Man 2 game where you switch from Peter to Miles, and Miles has got to get somewhere real quick, so like he shoots one web on a tower, another web on a tower, and he fucking slingshots himself like six or seven city blocks, and I'm talking New York city blocks. Mm-hmm. And just starts taking off. It looks incredible. I cannot wait to play this game. Uh, comes out sometime in 2023. Uh, so we don't know quite when that's going to come out, but it looks incredible. It's going to be a game of the year. Oh, it, it, easily. I don't, I don't Hands think, down. I think right now there's nothing even coming close to it. The gameplay footage they showed is going to blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and then lastly, certainly not leastly, going to give some of my way too early thoughts on Max. Uh, that is the new iteration of HBO Max. It's it's with the Warner Brothers Discovery. It's the Warner Brothers and the Discovery stuff roll into it. After I was able to get into the goddamn thing, because mm-hmm. I woke up, uh, I was off on Tuesday when it dropped, off of work on Tuesday when it dropped, uh, and I was like, all right, that launched. So just a quick note for folks, if you haven't, been, uh, haven't gotten to it or haven't gotten around to it, if you watch on tablet or your phone or and maybe console, I haven't tried it out on my console yet. But I know for phones and tablets, you're going to have to download a new app. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go to your app store, download Max, because it's a whole separate thing. Uh, you know, if you're on a smart TV, so like I've got a Roku TV, you need to update your HBO Max app. And, yes. that, and that will update to Max. 
after I was able to get into the goddamn thing, because I tried at, I believe, 7.30, when I, a little bit after I woke up at 7.30, um, I was not able to get in, like, I was able to sign in, quote-unquote, but it would not take me past the sign-in screen into the actual hub for, like, an hour and a half. Mm. So... It, it, it looks about the same as what HBO Max did, so there's not too much different other than a change in color from purple to blue. Um, my only complaints is you're adding so much more to it with with all the stuff you were there before. So the, the Cartoon Network, the DC, you know, the Adult Swim, you know, the, the Turner Classic movies, you know, all of the stuff you were used to before, but now you're adding in all of the discovery stuff. So HGTV discovery channel, food network, Magnolia network, and all this other stuff that's getting added. There's no hot, like with HBO max, there used to be that hub. Mm-hmm. Where like, if you only wanted to look at DC stuff, you could go over and you could click DC and it's only showing you DC. If you wanted to see only HBO stuff, you click on HBO. It's only showing you HBO. So, so on and so on. I haven't found that yet. I could be wrong. I might not, I might've missed it, but that is a big kind of, let down for me because i'm like i don't want to have to look through all of this hgtv stuff because listen i'm I'm, if you watch hgtv hey nothing against you i don't i don't want to have to search through eight thousand versions of house hunters to find what i'm looking for yeah you know so right now it needs some work but it hadn't even been out a week so i'm willing to give it some time uh give it i'll give it some more thoughts uh in a couple of weeks when i fully dive in on it and i really get my teeth sunk into it yeah we'll definitely have a full review here on the odph when that comes out so, for my picks, uh, we're going to be talking a lot of comics. Yeah, we are. So, uh, let's see. Pat, I'm going to defer to you because, I mean, I, you know me, sure. I get lengthy about mine. Sure. Uh, so, the comics I got picked up for this week uh, from the folks over at DC, Nightwing, issue number 104. Tom Taylor's still writing it. Need I say more? No, said. I don't think so. Uh, Action Comics, issue number 1055 from Philip K. Johnson. Uh, this one, uh, the cover should sell you alone. Uh, it is Cyborg Superman, and he is back. Uh, So the description on this reads, quote, Superman's true enemy has been revealed. The cyborg Superman, Hank Henshaw. Everything the super family has built uh, has built stands on a knife's edge. And Superman and Metallo become the unlikeliest of allies as the hunt as they hunt for Metallo's missing sister. Can they prevent the inevitable uh, devolution of Metallo's mind uh, and body long enough to save his sister from Henshaw's monstrous plans? Uh, so uh, Cyborg Superman is back, and that's going to be real goddamn interesting. Everything they've been doing with the Superman line right now in DC has been on point. Like yes. I say, I think the Joshua Williamson has been absolutely lights out. Yes. And then, I mean, obviously Tom Taylor's work. And like I say, Action Comics has also been very, very solid, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we don't hype it up as much as we should. Right. And that's on us. But, like, honestly... If you have not checked out that run lately, like uh-huh. you are seriously missing yeah. out some great books. Uh, and then from folks at Marvel, you've got Star Wars, Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red. Uh, this is from Jason Aaron. Need I say more? No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but the description on this does read, Jason Aaron continues his run to the greatest, return to the greatest villain in the galaxy. Along with artist Leonard Kirk, these two titans of comic tell a tale of horror and intrigue. Plus, David Pepos makes his Star Wars debut. Oh, let's go. Uh-huh. I knew that'd sell you on it. Uh, and then from Kevin Scott, uh, you've got Star Wars The High Republic, issue number 10, as I've said before. 
Uh, Star Wars High Republic stuff is fantastic storytelling. Definitely should check it out. Uh, and then from the folks over at Dynamite Comics, you got 007 for King and Country, issue number two. Uh, this is from Phil K. Johnson. Phil K. Johnson, busy dude these days. Yeah. Uh, the description on this one, branded as traitors, 007 and 003 rush to clear their names and stop the wanton destruction of the mysterious uh, Myrmidian. But hot on their heels is the new 002, an agent with few morals and a license to kill, dot, dot, dot. If you have not checked out the James Bond comics, they are fantastic. And I say that as a person who has watched every James Bond film, uh, the official ones, not the unofficial ones. Mm-hmm. And I've read most of the books. I'm still working on a few. Yeah, no, the stuff they've been coming out with has been on point, too. Like uh-huh. I say, their books have been absolutely must-read material. Yes. Yes. And you know what? There is so much at the comic shops this week. Like, I felt bad I didn't get a chance to do as many reviews as I wanted to. You slacker. I know, right? Because, you know, how many I do in a week? It's a little crazy. But I definitely want to plug uh, X-O Man of War. The latest series, number three, is out, uh, Unconquered. And that one has definitely been a very, very true format one for longtime EXO fans. So mm-hmm. if you've been into the character for years, you're definitely going to dig it. They're doing a really interesting take on it. Like I say, it's it feels a little more grittier than usual uh. for me. But like I say, it's something that you definitely want to check out if you're a longtime fan. I mean, I will always scream to the top of my lungs about Valiant. I think they do they have some of the most interesting characters in their universe. EXO is one of them. Like I say, if you are a longtime reader, you're definitely going to dig it. Uh, from Image Comics, Radiant Pink uh, is wrapping up their series and episode five, like I said, issue, I should say episode five, because they do feel like episodes. Uh, issue five has definitely been one to check out, too. Like I say, it ties up things very nicely for where that series is going, uh, featuring the teleportating Radiant. But it definitely is not the biggest Radiant Black news of the week, I should say, or Massive Verse, because obviously there was an issue that dropped that has the fan base buzzing, has a lot of people talking, and that is the sequel to Supermassive from last oh, year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what can you say about the massive verse that we haven't already said at length? I mean, it's seriously comics most exciting line for a reason. And everybody got back together one more time. Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, Melissa Flores, Matt Groom, Daniel Di Nicolo, and Walter Biamonte under the supervision of the one and only Michael Basittle. Uh Listen, this whole story brings a a real interesting twist to the concept of what they did last year for the crossover. Mm -hmm. Because this year, there is no Inferno Girl Red. It is featuring the Dead Lucky, Rogue Sun, and Radiant Black. Now, the big thing with this is, remember last year, that was the first, that was like the official kickoff to the Massiverse. Right. This issue comes at a very interesting time. And I don't want to spoil too much of what's going on with the Massiverse. But I will say, if you're jumping in now, this is a perfect time to. Because they make it very reader-friendly. That you can definitely get caught up with a lot of the storylines that are happening. I think there might be like one that might confuse somebody. Sure. Not by much, though. Not by much. Like it wouldn't, Like, it won't really throw you for a loop. But the story is on point. The art is excellent. I gave it a 9 out of 10. And it's also the reason that we're doing a fusion episode this week because the next episode you hear of the ODPH, Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, Melissa Flores, Matt Groom, and Michael Basiddle are coming through to talk about this book. So we're super excited to have 
the supermassive team on the show. Got a lot of things to talk to them about concerning Rogue Son, Dead Lucky, Inferno Girl Red, and Radiant Black heading into arguably their biggest summer to date. Yeah. Super, super excited to talk to them about that. Haven't read it yet, but I I have seen your copy and I've held your copy. Uh can't say this. You will get your money's worth out money's worth out of this book. It is hefty. And I'm not talking like fifty pages. It's yeah, it's fifty pages. Like it is about the size of a small trade paperback. Like you, you will get your money's worth out of this. You definitely do. And like I say, I'm not spoiling anything for it. I know the issue is out as we're recording. Yes. In fact, if you get this episode in time, they're doing a YouTube special on the Black Market Narrative channel tonight as we record. But let me just put it this way: you know, when you pick up a, a book from this line, they're going to deliver on something. Yes. There's a couple great spoilers or surprises in here. They're going to blow your mind, especially the epilogue scene. I'm not saying it, but man, when you read that, you're going to be like, oh, that just happened. And like I said, we're going to deep dive into it on the next ODPH. So make sure to pick up the issue at your local comic shop ASAP. I know it's flying out of there right now. So you definitely want to make sure you have Supermassive on your radar this week. Uh, also, Comixology Originals, the best jacket press line hits with a double shot this week. Book of Evil number three, Scott Snyder, Jock. Man, this book is terrifying and amazing at the same point. Uh, it is the one dealing with the 12-year-old uh, young adventurer, Homer, mm-hmm. who's trying to make sense of a world that has just gone completely to hell. It's He's surrounded by psychopaths. And literally, like, this is something that has happened in the world that once teenagers hit puberty, their just mental stability just goes out the window. Mm. And it's very dark. It's very depressing. But Homer is, like, and his friends are, like, trying to make sense of this insane world. After last issue's events, I was like, I could not wait to read this. And let me tell you this, Snyder and Jock deliver. And like I say, this is not typically one of your normal books. As I'm showing Pad some of the artwork right oh. now, it's not really artwork. No, but how they set it up, it's yeah. it's, it's really that's a, different. It's a visually impressive display. Like I say, Jock does so much good things, and I'm a price too with this. Gave this a nine point seven out of ten. It's damn near perfect. Mm. I love this issue, and like I say, it is a very intense read. If you are very, you know. I don't want to say sensitive, sure, but if you're not somebody that takes a lot of dark tones and how things can get depressing at times, this might not be the book for you, but I think it's a f- just an exceptional read. So I definitely give that a high recommendation. And another one from Best Jacket Press, and it's part, like I said, part of the uh, Scott Snyder Comicsology Originals deal. We have the conclusion of Dudley Datsun and the Forever Machine. So Ooh. issue number five is coming out with Jamal Eigel. And this ties up one of the coolest stories you're going to read ever. And like I say, it's an all-ages story. A lot of things that I think if you're into Fantastic Four, Mm. you'd be into this book. Okay. And like I say, I really enjoyed the ending. I thought it was very, very solid. Gave an 8.5 out of 10. Like I say, it ends things on a very strong note. And I have a feeling we have not seen the last of Mr. Datsun. And you know what? We're all winners for that. So I definitely want to give that recommendation. Also... Can't close out things without talking some Boom Studios. And uh, one of the most insane horror comics I have read in recent memory wraps up shop, and that is Horror by Justin Jordan and Brom Ravel. Holy crap. Now, Pat, I'm not going to show you this because I know you're not into horror. Nope. 
But let me tell you this. This series has been nothing short of an absolute crazy surprise left and right. And this ending delivers and then some. It's a wild ending to an already insane tale of this mythical Avenger of a small town in upstate New York. Mm. It's freaking nuts. And it's amazing. I know so many people that are not into horror comics that have read this and become instant fans. Mm. Like, that's how good this book is. Nine out of 10 on the parlay point scale. So definitely make sure you go pick that up. A lot of great recommendations out this week. So as we always say to end the show, make sure to go support your local comic shops wherever they're at. And definitely let's talk some comics on the social media accounts. Pat, where do they want to go if they want to do that? odphpodcast.com. Right on. So that being said, that's all we got for this week. So for the one and only, Pat Awanjay. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Punch. Cause they can't bring me